on this week's episode of Zach on Film. We're talking German films once again. People running through the streets. Joining me again for this episode is Rodrigo Lopez. Hey, man. Hey. And, of course, Steven Schleicher. Hello. Hey. Do you guys ready to talk some more German films? Yeah, let's talk some German films. So last week we talked Run, Lolo Run, which is a 1998 film. Mm-hmm. Uh, featured a lot of running through Berlin. And I said, hey, there's this other film that people said was like uh, kind of somehow inspired by Run, Lolo Run. Okay. A German girl running through the streets of Berlin again. Uh, and go figure, I didn't realize this until about 20 minutes before I came over. The director, whose name is uh, Sebastian Schipper, yeah. is actually in Run, Run, Lolo Run. Oh, really? Uh, he said he was Mike in the movie, which I tried to find on like a million different articles, trying mm. to figure out who Mike was. I guess it's one of the characters that do the quick cuts of in the film, mm. but I could never really confirm that. They just said, Mike is in the movie. He's listed in IMDb as Mike. Could not figure out who it was. I don't remember anyone called Mike, but he's yeah. there. He's in it. Interesting. Uh, and now he's directing the movie we're talking about this week, which is Victoria. Uh, this movie was actually shot a while ago and made its debut at the Berlin Film Festival. And then it got picked up in Toronto and kind of made a lot of film festival routes to 2015. And actually, completely coincidentally, Victoria comes out on DVD and Blu-ray the day we're actually recording this. Oh, cool. All so right. what great timing we made. Yeah, hooray for us. Yes. Smart planning there, Zach. Yeah, I totally planned it. I'm Mega sure on did. purpose. <laughs> uh, so the big draw of Victoria, before we get into kind of what the story is, is that people are talking about it's one take. It's one, mm-hmm. it's one shot for two hours and 14 minutes, which I thought, oh, Peshaw, Birdman, they was, everyone's like, it's like a one take film. And there's cuts in there, and I I I watched this um, a couple months ago for the first time, and I watched it very intently until I got sucked into the movie, and I could never find any cuts. And then I watched it again; I could never find any cuts, and it is in fact a one take movie. That so de- there are no there are no edits no. in this because no, I was yeah. watching carefully too, and I was like, well, there could be one, yeah. yeah, there could be one, and there could be one. I I thought I saw like three different ones, but if they really did it in one take, because apparently that's how he sold it to the. Um, financiers he's Mm -hmm. like look i guarantee that this will be one take and if not we'll do a bunch of jump cuts for it to to make sure that you get your get your money's worth so did you think there were cuts rodrigo i i don't know i couldn't tell if there were i know that there were a few places where i was like here you can place a cut and nobody would notice Um, right so i mean I'm, i'm willing to take it on faith if they said nope this whole thing was one shot and at one point you know somebody missed their entrance and we had to drive all the way back to (laughs) six blocks to start over then i'll I'll believe them but yeah uh, so i didn't catch anything obvious but Mm -hmm. there were a few times when for example the screen goes black because the camera goes like like basically Mm -hmm. the the biggest one that i saw was when they all get into the van Mm -hmm. and there's kind of they look to the left and they go down to the floor of the car and then mm-hmm. they look over at um oh, what was the character's name uh, Sane and um yeah I was like you could have totally put a cut there mm-hmm. 100% nobody would have caught it yeah um, yeah there was so, a couple the yeah, going through it the second time I thought maybe there was one or two and I hadn't really read about it first I just wanted to watch it again and going back and through I read art- interviews with the director and cinematographer, 
all confirm it was uh, this bank heist film is all done in one take. On the third try, they did it. Yeah, it says here that they rehearsed for 10 days before shooting Mm -hmm. the film. This is from The Guardian. Uh, They rehearsed for 10 days before shooting the film in its entirety for the first time over the course of more than two hours, 22 locations during the early hours of the morning. Following the first full attempt, they took a 10 day break before doing it all again. Two days later, they shot Victoria for a third time. And the final take is the one they use for the film. Yeah. And the director said uh, during those 10 days of rehearsal, they would do it in 10 minute chunks Mm. and they were filming the entire time so they could get their basis of, well, if the one take doesn't work, we'll do this jump cut thing. Mm -hmm. So they did all this They do the first, the first one. They said they filmed the entire thing. They got through it completely. Um, But he said it wasn't great. They did the second one. He said he just, he didn't really elaborate. He just said it was crazy. And it wasn't great as well. And that's when he saw the jump cut version and said it was just garbage. Mm, mm-hmm. And so they said they rallied in 48 hours and um, did this last take of the film, which is in its entirety what we watched this week. There's another quote from The Guardian. It says, the other two were worthless, the shippers. <laughs> During the first take, everybody was good boying it. Nobody wanted to F up. Uh, that's not entertainment for, for the second take. I said, don't be afraid of chaos. Go all in. But the second one ended up being too chaotic. It was nothing for the third and final attempt. Uh, shipper said he had a certain amount of aggression. Mm-hmm. I was like, quote, what the F are you waiting for? What are you, why are you holding back? Don't think of new, uh, scenes and new lines. Just be in the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We- Apparently the script is only, uh, 12 pages. Yeah. Long. It's, there's no dialogue in the script. It was just like a treatment. And they just kind of had some inspiration and they just ran with it, which I think is probably my biggest complaint of the movie. Uh, The first, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes of the film is this girl, Victoria, who is in Berlin uh, from Spain Mm -hmm. and she's in a club and she's dancing and dancing and eventually meets these guys and they're kind of just roaming through the streets of Berlin as she kind of learns about them and who they are. And, that is like the first hour of it I felt is kind of boring to yeah, a point where it feels just like what is happening. Yeah, to no, a point. at the at the forty one minute mark, I I was watching the movie and then I right at the forty one minute mark I hit the pause button just to see how much time had elapsed. <laughs> and I was like, Holy crap, there's still another hour yeah. plus in this movie and this feels like the first half of the movie feels like um before sun or before sunrise, you know, where it's just them walking around. Yeah. What is it? Paris getting to know each other and trying to find out about each other. And it's like, well, this is kind of, this is like a first date movie, which was nice because there was some, um, some interesting emotion and acting between the actors, but it was really dry. Mm-hmm. And if they could have trimmed 20 minutes off of that, yeah, I think it would have been a lot better. Oh, well, that's one of the critiques I saw as people saying, well, you do this one take and, it's kind of raw and in the face, but you took 40 minutes to tell a thing that a traditionally shot and cut movie would have taken 20 minutes to do. Is that what you were feeling, Rodrigo? No, absolutely. I was like seeing as a whole, um, the last half of the movie makes it, or maybe the last third of the movie, uh, kind of makes it all worthy worth it in retrospect but while i was going through it i was <laughs> so bored i was mm-hmm. at first i was like 
I actually at first I was really worried, like this girl like walking around with these guys, and I was like, what is this movie going to be about? Mm-hmm. And then when it seemed like nobody was gonna, you know, do anything terrible at first, I was like, oh, okay, actually, this is pretty boring. Like, mm-hmm. especially, you know, it's like now we're walking on the streets, now we're going to the roof, now we're going down to the cafe, now we're talking at the cafe. Okay, now things are getting going, but actually they don't get going for a while after things are getting going. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot, uh, a lot, or, or actually a lot of time passes and very little happens mm-hmm. um, at, at the beginning. Yeah, that is, I mean, so it is this this idea that is boring in the moment, and then I think about it, and it's very... It, the whole concept of it is intriguing to me, which keeps me in through the film until um, we get past a lot of the talking and the bank robbery starts and the the adrenaline, I feel like, really kicks up in the film. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because they're actually doing something. I mean, yeah. the, there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the concept of the film, I don't think. I mean, there's a question I have for you in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. There's nothing wrong with this concept of the girls at a club. She meets some strangers who may be ne'er-do-wells. They convince her to go uh, with them. They go and smoke some stuff up on top of the rooftop. She's a stranger. She doesn't know anybody. So there's an attraction there. One of the guys is attracted to her. She has to go to work, which is literally across the street from where they're shooting uh, or where they're standing. And he has a talk with her where we reveal more about her life and and everything. Mm -hmm. Then we find out this guy's other best friend owes a, a gangster guy a favor. And then they go off and rob a bank. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a horrible premise. And a lot of it plays out right, but it just this whole moment of getting to know you and these attempts of flirtation and trying to find out where the story is, especially when there is no story and a lot of it's ad libbed, mm-hmm. um, is frustrating for that first for that first half. Yeah. And yep. I, I I don't know if there's a fix for it because there really isn't. Well, no, especially when you're working with no dialogue. If there was a like a set dialogue and you were kind of working with a semi-rigid structure of a film mm-hmm. and how everything's going to be paced out. But when you're kind of just free-forming jazz in this film and you're just kind of letting your well, actors wander in and out, it gets a little messy. And and then on top of that, that the, the, a fair chunk of the film happens in a language that is not the native language for either of the actors. Oh, right, right. Either of the central actors. It's, it's kind of a problem. You know, there's... Uh, in a um, in a scripted movie, you would maybe have some indication of that, and then you'd move on. But I, I mean, I think there are times when, like, they're both sitting there trying to come up with a word. Yeah, like she she can't remember exactly what something is called, and he can't remember when some what something is called. And it's like we just sit there while they're trying to like put something together because neither one of them speaks the other's native language. Mm-hmm. Right, and that is simultaneously frustrating, but amazing because it is a, a film playing out in real time so that would be a completely normal conversation between two people who just met who speak different languages and are from two different countries right and that's why i can almost forgive how boring the first half of it is because it is in one take and yeah. i you know i kind of forgot going in that this was just a one take movie you know I, yeah. it was just like hey here's a movie we can talk about for next time and it's got some buzz to it and so i can kind of forgive that slowness to it because it is. And that's why, that's why I kind of like the acting in, especially between the, the two leads is 
They're getting to know one another. You can tell that there's an attraction there. They're doing things that guys and girls would do when they're meeting each other, you know, at a bar. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as always happens when you just jump into a car and go rob a bank. I mean, it seemed very natural. I mean, that's (laughs) happened to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it just, it seemed to work. And I think that's why I can be a little bit more forgiving of that part, even though it's kind of messy. Because it's. Talk about your, you know, cinema verite. Let's just, you mm-hmm. know, or the Meisen scene. Let's just put everything there and shoot it like it's a documentary. It feels like we're watching this documentary. Mm-hmm. I would wait. The, it's really funny that you bring the documentary thing up because the cinematographer whose name I might uh, mess up is Strula Brunth Grovelin, um, who's the cinematographer on the film. And he said when he was talking to Shipper about doing the film, he was bringing a lot of his background in documentary filmmaking mm, mm-hmm. into it because that's kind of what it is in a sort more a, a a slightly more stylized structured documentary. Right. Right. Um but so the film as we kind of mentioned it ramps up into this play of Victoria has to join these three guys uh and rob a bank and it just kind of goes off the rails from uh, from there where they're avoiding the police where they rob the bank, they celebrate in the club, they have to start avoiding the police, they get in a shootout which is probably one of my favorite scenes uh, of the film just from the technical aspect of making sure everyone arrives at the location on time yeah. and well, you don't I mean, screw that up. Uh, well, no, think about everything that has yeah. to happen, right? I mean, it's not like you have a bunch of of actors just around the corner because this really in order to do this in the time period, they're not driving clear across town. I mean, no. this takes place in like four or five blocks. Probably, yeah. But still to coordinate all of that so that people can get from point A to point mm-hmm. B was amazing to get all that to happen at the right time. Yeah. And sure. to keep everybody out of the way mm-hmm. was, I also thought, amazing. Are we going to say something ready to go? Uh, no, I mean, I agree. That's that. That's what's really impressive about this movie is not necessarily the interactions between the characters or even the heist itself, but all the choreography that has to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, at times, that's partially what builds the tension, and at parts, that's partially what kind of deflates the scenes accidentally. I remember sitting there thinking, um, I was like, what is happening when they first go rob the bank? I was like, why aren't they going in? And it's like, oh, because they have to wait for this lady to come in. And it's like, and they're waiting there for what feels like a really long time. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. they send her out. She's walking down the street. And it just like takes her a while to get there because uh-huh. she probably has to come from around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also, but it, you know, it's also somewhat brilliant in that scene, too, because if you're trying to keep everything low budget, and I don't remember what, I don't know what the budget was I on this seen thing. I have one yet. Oh, okay. But if you're trying to keep some things relatively low budget. Mm-hmm. Even going in and trying to stage a bank robbery for a movie would have been a huge undertaking to actually have followed through with that entire thing. Mm -hmm. And so the brilliant thing is the brilliant thing is we go into a garage where the the mob boss guy is like, okay, here's the layout of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, bank. Do your action so I can kind of see what you're doing. And then I'll tell you where you need to improve and do all these kinds of things. So that in the audience's mind, when they do go to the bank, we're out in the car for like three minutes mm-hmm. and in our, we don't hear any gunshots. There's nothing going on. We don't hear any alarms going off. 
we just see her sitting there and the car dies. But we can imagine in our heads what's going on in the bank because of what we've seen in this other zero budget location Mm -hmm. to get it done. So I thought that was really well done. And to make that work that way, to put it in our minds what's happening while Victoria is dealing with, oh, my gosh, this stolen car has suddenly died. And how am I going to get it started? Right. Before we we uh, before they come out. I just I thought it was very well done. Yeah. That scene because you're just you mean you literally are sitting in there trying uh, watching Victoria trying to start uh, a jacked van, uh, which has died waiting for them to run in. It reminded me of in Kill Bill Volume 2 when um she's sitting in the in the bathroom after taking a pregnancy test and you're just watching the uh second hand on the watch tick because it's like in real time you're just watching this tick forever and obviously that's kind of what the whole victoria is but that one scene specifically we just have to watch and you're just sitting there and you're sitting there and you're sitting there and eventually someone comes in and uh the action kind of uh kicks back in mm-hmm. um so i mean the the got the, the, the stuff I read about this is obviously all about the one take. And so does this prove that a uh, one take is possible or that it should be done at all uh, and that it actually makes a good film or <laughs> should it just be kept to like these weird um, art pieces? Cause it's done actually has been done before. It was it's called the Russian Russian arc. arc. Yeah. 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 Which uh, I have not seen, haven't really read anything about. Besides, I, I think the it's hard to, to find because I've tried to find it a couple have times you? over the last. I think it came out like early two thousands, two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. I've tried to find it a couple times. I'm sure it's out there on DVD somewhere, yeah. but I'm not one to go and buy something on DVD. Sure. It's always digital for me. Yeah. But I have yet to really be able to find that. And it is this one take history of Russia through the what is it, the Russia the Russian Heritage Museum or something mm-hmm. like that. But I can't even remember if even that was broken up in in some way. I'm not sure. Uh, the cinematographer Groveland was saying that was kind of their only thing they could look to for slight inspiration. But they said that the Russian arc is a more stylized mm-hmm. film, which yeah. was heavily structured and not like they were. So they were kind of in this water where they didn't really have anything mm-hmm. to look to. Because any of the films you would kind of point to as this one yeah, thing film if- would be Birdman, which isn't in... Uh, Hitchcock's rope, rope yeah. which wasn't as well. Yeah, because there's a, those go about ten minutes each. Yeah, I mean, there's no way you can have a two-hour yeah. film reel going <laughs> on. So, do you even know what they shot this on? Because again, for one take in yeah. two hours or however long the film, 138 minutes, two hours and yeah, twelve minutes or whatever that is. Um, that's what. What did they shoot on? They uh, so Groveland used his documentary background. And ended up shooting on the Canon C300. Oh, okay. Uh, for this film, which at the time wasn't even the most up to date version of the camera, the C500 was out. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be all very technical film talk for a second, and we'll try to explain it as we go through. So the C300 <laughs> <laughs> is one of Canon's cinema yeah. can- uh, uh, cameras. Mm-hmm. They, they just do video, it's not like one of their DSLRs. Right. Um, it's. They are a very nice camera. I've seen them very much. Yeah. Uh, they get used on films a lot. They're a very lightweight camera, which was he was very concerned about because this was all handheld. He didn't mm-hmm. use a steady cam mm-hmm. uh, for it. So that was a big factor. Um, he shot on that because you can record dual uh, SD cards, um, which they were doing. So they didn't have to flip cards out the whole time. He mm-hmm. decided not to use a uh, field recorder or an external oh, so recording just device. so they all the audio off of the... Uh, well, that that is a different aspect. Oh, okay. So 
Oh, okay. I'm sorry. They he didn't record uh, the video. He recorded straight to the SD cards and didn't use like an external oh, recording okay, device. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Sure. 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 Okay. Um, and then he had an extra handle on top added so he could control the camera with one hand and leave one hand free to move out inside outside car up ladders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, lens wise in the article that I found on cause Canon did an interview oh, with okay. him since he used their camera and yeah. it's such a cinematography heavy film. Um, he kind of mentioned three different Canon lens lenses that he had used before in documentary films mm-hmm. and he never, specifically mentioned mm-hmm. which lens which he one? used on this film, which leads me to believe he did not use a Canon lens. You don't think so? Ah, uh, nice. Well, because never, they never specifically said which lens he That's actually great. used on the thing. He just said, I've used the 70 to 200 before on stuff. I've used a 24 to 70 f2.8 on some things. I like oh. these types of lenses because they have a fluid uh, iris and they don't stop, so it can make easy transitions in and out. But he never really specifically mentioned which lens. Uh, no, I think looking at this image that I'm looking at, it looks like a Canon lens on there. Yeah, I just couldn't. I mean, he just never really said which yeah. one it was. Which well, was it's definitely a wide angle lens. Oh yeah, because you have to with this movie, especially with focus being super critical. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't have shallow depth of field in this, no. which again lends to that uh, documentary feel mm-hmm. a lot of times in this. So you would need a wide angle lens to get everything in or else you're going to have some weird ass zooms. So yeah. it's got to be a prime. Yeah. And that's in the, the lens he mentioned in the article were both zooms. And I don't remember a zoom ever occurring throughout the film. Well, I mean, maybe this is very yeah, subtle, yeah. but I don't remember us really changing uh, the look of the, I mean, of, of the image. I would include this image of their camera rig in the show notes, but I'm getting an error that says, uh, this image is protected by copyright. CPM kindly requests that you do not copy it. Really? Beep, beep. Yeah. So you can go find this at uh, cpm.canon-europe.com uh, is where I, I'm looking at the rig right now. And it's very compact and lightweight. I've known a couple people that shoot on the C300. A lot of the people mm-hmm. that that I know, uh, for example, a friend of ours, Jason Inman, who does DC's All Access, I believe he said that they shoot the C100 on set when they're mm-hmm. doing all their stuff there. Um, the Film Riot guys, I believe, have a C100. I think and, so. And uh, I was going to say Sam and Nico are using a RED camera. So, But yeah, the C100 is kind of the low end of this. The mm-hmm. 500 is the super high end. This one's kind of mid-range. And with this rig... Uh, the follow focus, the body, the handle, all that other stuff, you're looking at about $8,000 for that. Mm-hmm. And then the lens itself is probably another five to $10,000. Right. Which he mentioned in the article again, uh, not specifically naming lenses, but he said he didn't want to use a Canon cinema lens because they were mm. too heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever held oh, yeah. a, a, a prime lens, for yeah. example, one that doesn't zoom, they're automatically really heavy mm-hmm. and uh the cinema lenses are these huge monstrosities of lenses that have this super amazing glass in them and they are like a i mean they're super super heavy so having to run around berlin for two hours uh with something on like that is not something he wanted to do for this film yeah you're right he i'm, I'm actually reading this right now it says it says he's leaning towards a pl cam, uh, cinema lens yeah but yeah but he doesn't really spe- specify hmm. but i would bet he's i bet he would have to be using there's no way he's using the seven seventy to two hundred in this. No, he's got to be using that one the twenty is to super seventy. Long. Yeah, but I mean, just to get those shots. Yeah, he's got to be at twenty four millimeters at least. Yeah, most of the time in that show, in that movie. 
which lends itself well because I was actually surprised that they weren't using a steady cam throughout because I thought there's a lot of movement in the piece. There is some shaking, but if you've ever used one, I mean, never as much as they were moving, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a little movement uh, in the thing. And of course, using the wide angle would would reduce the type of shutter using mm-hmm. or the movement in the image. Are you surprised, Rodrigo, that they weren't using some type of steadying device for the camera and that he was just running around with this all in his hand the whole time? Oh, I, I am. Uh, I I really expected that there would have been something. And I even I even thought about it as I was watching. I was like, man, I feel guy for the guy who's wearing some sort of like weird rig <laughs> because it's, you know, keeping the camera steady. But mm-hmm. uh, that, that's pretty taxing after a while. Um, so apparently I have to feel bad for the guy who's actually just doing all the stabilizing with his forearm. Yeah. <laughs> he did say the one piece of equipment he used to study the camera was in the car where he attached an elastic bungee string to the ceiling and there was a hook on the camera he placed on there mm-hmm. so he could mm-hmm. kind of get some steadiness when While they were driving, driving around. around. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is maybe just a little bit of a break for him considering they are on the car uh, for a nice stretch of time uh, during the middle well, portion of the film. Yeah, they almost, because of the amount of movement and location changes that are going on, they wouldn't be able to use... There's no way that they'd be able to use a movie or a, um, um, what's the DJI one? The, um, well, you know, the, oh, the gimbal ones, yeah, they wouldn't be able to use those because that's holding that out away from your body mm-hmm. for two hours would be impossible. Oh yeah. It would be insane. So it's, and you can't put it on a, a steady cam because of they're going into the some bulkiness. very tight places. Yeah. So that's bulky there. And yeah, so they would have had to go on. I, it's really well done. I, just from, from that aspect, from the technical aspect of mm-hmm. it, I really, really dig on that. And it has to be light. And, you know, shooting on these two compact flash cards, 64 gigabyte cards, it's amazing how much you can get on these things. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, we shoot, when we shoot these uh, Munchkinland episodes here, we're shooting 4K video. Mm-hmm. We're shooting them on 125 or I'm sorry, 128 gigabyte of these micro SD cards, because that's what the cameras will hold. Mm -hmm. And I can get like three and a half hours on one little card. So if they're using two of those 64s, -hmm. it's either automatically switching over or they're doing double backup on that so that they're recording simultaneously on both in case one of them fails. But man, the technology, how far we've come today. I remember when back in the day, Rodrigo, you'd have to put your VHS in and you could get two hours maximum if you were doing it. Or if you're on your three quarter inch Umatic, you got 20 minutes on a, on a load before you have to swap out your, your cassette. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the biggest uh, reasons why the long take movie hasn't happened before is because the technology is kind of an issue. Even today, um, depending on what camera you're using and what, um, basically what density you're recording in um you can actually run out of <laughs> and run out of time you know mm-hmm. well you bring that up uh, just because the technology allows it now but that does bring up this question is and i think it's something that rodrigo was trying to get or um, uh, zach was trying to get to a moment ago do we need movie shot in one take well yeah i guess uh need and should is an interesting now that the because does this movie there. does this movie move beyond just a story to it's a gimmick that's going to get me some attention? I don't know. And well, if that's the gimmick, it kind of sucked because it hasn't really got a whole lot of attention. It got some play within like 
some film nerd communities, but didn't really have any critical success. Well, it was disqualified from the Academy Awards because there was too much English language yeah, in it. it. So yeah, which is uh, if it if it would had not been disqualified for that, it probably might have. Although they probably oh, would have gotten a little bit more snobbish in regards to oh, the production this side of it. One. It you don't think so? No. No, from foreign language film compared to the other one? No, they were all over that Son of Saul movie. Mm, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> it won a bunch of other stuff, too. It was going to win. Um, so go back to the question. So back to the question. Th- th- this film is... Part of me, when I started watching it again, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch the whole thing again. And then I start watching it, and I get completely sucked into this movie. And... Uh, I did fast forward from some parts just to save time so we could watch on multiple House of viewings. Cards. Yeah, on yeah, my sec on my second one, and uh, but I I just get so sucked in because you are just in this moment where it's not you're not getting taken out of it with a cut, even though a cut a, a good cut doesn't really take you out of the moment. It's still a sharp change in what you're seeing, mm-hmm. and so you just get in. To it. I, I just couldn't release it. The director said it's a f- what do you say? It's a it's not um oh I don't remember what he said. Is it essentially it was not this movie can't manipulate you because you're not using the editing or right, too right. much lighting really to manipulate how you're feeling about uh the overall story. But in some ways the aspect of what they did is the manipulation because I could not look away sure. from this film when I watch it. Well, and that's that's the thing is, um, this movie arrives uh, in 2015. Um, obviously, after a long time of movie making, and by now there's this lexicon of what everything means in a movie, and we mm-hmm. people who watch movies understand that now implicitly. Even if you've never stopped to analyzing, you know how sharp cuts make you feel, what they're uh, getting at, what they're doing. You know your swish pan, your anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your rack focus, whatever you want. And so long takes build tension. One of the things that long takes do is they give you a feel for a space and or they build tension because at the end of a long take, something happens and then you cut, right? Mm -hmm. So watching this, you are following along with, I don't know, Touch of Evil, Boogie Nights, a- any movie that you've ever seen that has a super long take and then something dramatic happens at the end, except it goes on for, uh, you know, two hours and then stuff happens. And and you're, you yourself are probably going to disconnect from that because it is a long time to be paying attention mm-hmm. without the movie ever giving you a break. Um, so I think interestingly for this movie when you're watching it you'll probably take a break at normal times to take a break in the conversation like there's a bunch of people sitting around talking and like you might stop listening to what they're saying i did because i was like well i'm not really interested in this Mm -hmm. you know like look down on my phone or whatever and i'm like oh wait i'm still watching a movie yeah yeah. right well i i on my second viewing i was really interested in where they cut the dialogue and just throw in music mm-hmm. so you can't hear the people right. talking mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. so it's like they were trying to ins- install these natural downtimes right uh, in the film where you could kind of recover but you're still watching them move through scenes and this one the first one i think i remember is 
when they're climbing from the up to the roof. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you kind of get this just interlude of music. It happens in the club a couple times mm-hmm. where it's just music and you just watch them dance or do whatever. They take off all their clothes and dance. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, I mean, it's very interesting the way they still try to put a, f- a normal flow into the movie by still letting it play out in one take. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's the, that that is a good technique. And also, you can just throw that in their faces when they when they're like, "Well, this movie is not trying to manipulate you, right?" It's like yeah. you cut out the dialogue and you put in, uh, you know, music. Yeah, those are all deliberate choices, right? Obviously, they're trying to get at something. That's one and two. It's really smart because who knows what happened during that? Like, those could very well be covering up audio mistakes. Yeah. Um, or something like that, where like you hear the camera guy like tripping over something, or somebody walks behind them, or something like that, and there's like you know as they're walking behind them because I don't know if we got if we uh, determine how exactly they did the audio, but if it's oh, all no, coming yeah. from the camera, then you know you can just uh, essentially somebody walking too close to wherever the microphone is can be a problem. So the audio was done. Uh, a little more planned out than cinematography, which was all just kind of happening as they were filming. The audio he said was done was uh, they recorded audio off camera. All of the actors were wearing a mic pack and then they had boom crews at different locations mm. ready to go. So when they got oh. to that place, then they could start boom micing different things. So they had that kind of plan out, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, in my mind, it was always just one guy with the boom, just right there next to the camera, yeah. just running through. So that, in, I mean, in that way, you wouldn't, you don't have to stick another boom guy in the yeah. van as you're as you're driving away and stuff like that. It's interesting though about the audio. Um, this is from MovieMaker.com. There was a scene where the actors messed up with the audio. For it says, "quote For example, when Freddie was driving away from the bank, he had this crazy idea to yell back at Franz, throw away your jacket.'" But Franz's mic was sewn into that jacket, and he actually had a thermal shirt oh. on that wasn't even part of his costume. <laughs> so for the rest of the film, he wears that thermal that's supposed to be keeping him warm. But what he doesn't wear is is GD microphone. Oh. So you know when we're t- when you talk that's about funny. they're dancing in the club and they're, yeah. they're stripping off all their clothes, yeah. yeah, they're not really mic'd anymore. So um, maybe that's why you have to bring the music up yeah, a little louder that, so you're not hearing all of that. You know, that's exactly like I was watching those and I was like, these. This is so smart because it, uh, you know, it kind of gives you this feeling. It kind of gets you a little bit into her head and what she's feeling. But also, this is the perfect way to mask an audio mistake. And when you're kind of going, because when do you see them? You see that at a club and you see it in the elevator. It's like, mm-hmm. can you imagine what that elevator actually sounded like? That yeah. could have been oh, yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. Go back to the story for just a moment okay. about the about Victoria herself. Yeah, it's kind of easy to imagine that she kind of likes this guy and she gets wrapped up in this thing. But what do we really know about Victoria? At the end of the movie, uh, she's from Spain. At the end of the movie, when uh, her just met two hours ago boyfriend yeah. is dying in a bed, and he's like, "Hey, take the money and run." She's kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. And just walks away with all the money. Mm-hmm. Like not a care in the world. I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel that. I, well, when I was watching, I was like, have they manipulated her or has she manipulated them? 
Uh, do you want to go because ahead with she, that, Rodrigo? She, she almost seems like, I don't know, because she's lost and doesn't have direction in her life, she's willing to let these things happen so she has some kind of an excitement. I mean, she's at a club at 4 o'clock in the morning, an hour or so before she has to go to work. She needs something in her life. And so she's allowing this to happen. She's not even, you know, when they're trying to say, oh, no, you don't need to go with this. You don't have to be involved with this. She's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it, whatever. Almost like she's wanting things to escalate. Uh, well, I mean, I can, I can definitely see, um, this idea that, you know, there's kind of danger and excitement involved and she wants to go along with it because, you know, her life might be a little boring, but I mean, I, again, I, I was like just painfully aware of how long some of these scenes were and she has the longest, slobberiest, snottiest cry over (laughs) this guy dying. I mean, like, it's just like fluids coming Mm -hmm. out of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, I, I think she felt it. I, it, it, it really, to me, I mean, um, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Laia Costa does a, a great job, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I, I really felt that, you know, she does get, she gets caught up and she gets a few opportunities to kind of, uh, be smart about things, which she immediately throws away just like every other character in this movie. Um, and you know, at the end, I mean, she looks totally like shell shocked mm-hmm. as she's okay. like wandering away. I I I, I would disagree based with with your read, but I I think it's it's not an unfair read. No, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I was just like, that's kind of odd. Some of the oddities that are going on in here. So, so the Victoria character is interesting because you're right. She is at a club right before she has to go to work. She uh, explains in the cafe scene that she kind of has this passion for music, but she got kicked out of the conservatory. So now she's essentially just wandering aimlessly in a different country now and not sure what she wants to do with her life, which I think makes sense about why she want to get with these guys and just have some fun in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. But then there's also some things to consider. One, uh, she's probably somewhat drunk, at least in the beginning of the film. Um, from doing shots at the club, and then halfway in through the uh, film, let's remember they all snort some type of drug, right? Right. And yeah. so essentially, for the rest of the movie, they're all super high, right? Supposedly, and have adrenaline yeah. going through their right. entire as characters right, going right, right, through their right, entire right. body right. after doing these drugs, robbing a bank, getting in a shootout, fleeing from the police. So there's a lot of uh, uh, to say that the character might be somewhat disingenuous. I think. Might be legit, but it also is like this has been one hell of a night. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of emotions. A lot of people have died. She presumably has never seen anyone die before. Now three people are dead that she mm-hmm. just met. Mm-hmm. Um, so on one level, I think it's like, oh, a character would never, you know, uh, or a, re- a real person would never fall so hard for a person so quickly and then get in the situation well i know but i think that's a critique you could probably make oh sure um but then if you actually look at the whole picture like well you know not dealing with the most stable of people in that moment that this film is taking place in yeah i i know that's not um no it's not scripted but maybe they could have rehearsed a couple of more times and kind of gotten some beats down of as some specific things that they needed to say and maybe tightened up some of those bits mm-hmm. to make the movie just a tad shorter. Yeah. 
because then that may have made some more sense from the narrative instead of, hey, we're ad-libbing this. One person wants to go this direction. The other person wants to go this direction. And now mm-hmm. it's kind of messy. Yeah. Well, that was the interesting thing with reading interviews with the director and cinematographer is how much of an emphasis they've put on the fact that they knew the film was never going to be perfect when they started because mm-hmm. it was just not going to be possible the way they wanted to tell the story and how much to emphasize to just be okay with slight imperfections to make the thing you want to make. You're just going to have to deal with it mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, yeah, and that's... No, go ahead. That is that is a deal here, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, do you want to watch a movie that is done in one take? Then you're going to have to deal with the obnoxious part sure. of yeah. watching a movie that's done in one take. It's like, it's like anything. It's like any sort of... Um, structural uh let's say trick um you know or or or, or I, I mean i don't want to say gimmick but any sort of like a uh, structural device uh is going to have that you know in found footage movies you're going to have shakiness and you're going to have some highly contrived reasons as to why characters are holding cameras right mm-hmm. um in a one take movie you're going to have scenes that go on a little long in or maybe a lot long um <laughs> in you know a movie that is you know purposefully in black and white you're gonna have moments where you're like oh we need to write this out of the script because nobody can tell what that is mm-hmm. you know it's like it, these two things you can't tell them apart in black and white you know and like there's always gonna be when you when you basically give yourself a restriction um which is what these movies are doing um, you are going to have to deal with some of the artifacts on that. And, you know, it kind of, to a certain degree, is your, like, metal as a filmmaker to show, to, to, to get around those and see if you can be clever or not. And again, I think we've seen, we do see some clever um, kind of covering, some uh, innovation with the way that they were doing the camera in the car, mm-hmm. with the music being thrown on there. But also, you know, this is not, um, it's like by the time, uh, say, uh, Chronicle came around, found footage movies had been around for a long time. Right, right. So they were greatly benefiting. Uh, was it Landis? Was that Max Landis? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was greatly benefiting from everything that come before. With Victoria, uh, all they could look at was just chunks of movies where they right, did this. Right. And then, of course, didn't do it the whole way because it's insane. Because yeah. it's really difficult. Well, that's that's why I'm asking. Is this is this movie... Is, would this movie have been better just using a traditional approach? Was this was this necessary to be a one shot movie? Is there a benefit to having a one shot movie beyond the gimmick aspect of it? Did the, was there anything else added to this beyond the one long shot building tension? Was there anything else that benefited uh, from this? The the thing the my almost problem with the question is that if you tell this story in a traditional format. It's like not the movie anymore mm, mm-hmm. because then you're just a run of the mill semi bank heist love story film, which this movie is, but it becomes something different because of the way they told it. Mm. Where if, if, if you're setting up and you're doing your takes and you're cutting the film back and forth and you're not crossing the 180 and you're doing all these standard traditional things, it is something that just falls amongst the rest of the film and it's not a thing worth talking about essentially the director said you know film is like a restaurant uh, a superhero movie 
is a hamburger, and we all love right, hamburgers because right, right. they're so good. Uh, but if you have a hamburger all the time, you're going to get tired of it. So you have to mix it up. And this, I don't even know what, he doesn't even say what this movie is. But it's like some like weird, fancy, yeah. like artisanal, yeah. uh, like eggplant uh, what, or something. What, what, this movie, what this movie is, is some kind of uh, sea creature cooked in its own shell, <laughs> which means you have to do a lot of work to actually get to the meat. But you actually end up enjoying it a lot if you get there. Yeah, so it's not, it's almost... Like, this is something done another way. It's just not the thing. I mean... Yeah, so, you know, thematically, you have to think, you know, does this style match this movie? And it does. It does because, uh, you know, it simultaneously matches it and creates it, right? So you're watching this movie basically from the point of view of this uh, girl. We very rarely get very far away from her. You know, and it seems that the times that we do get away from Victoria, it's kind of a um, either to advance the story, like when she goes away and you see Sonny start to uh, have some labored breathing because he's been shot, um, or because they just absolutely could not do something and they have to like move away from her so they can position themselves, right? Mm -hmm. But other than that, it gives you this movie where you're basically following her. It feels like you are a different oh, person, yeah, yeah. Like a person who is following along with yeah. her, right? And that's why I said much it, more so than anything else. Yeah. Um, would this, this would not this would not have worked made... as this would not have worked as a found footage movie. Right. Right. No. Exactly. Um, and that's the thing is like that is um, you have to ask yourself thematically: Does this work? There are found footage movies out there that also don't work as found footage movies, right? Like most uh, of them. <laughs> Sure. I mean, there's a there's kind of this choice that has to be made and, you know, something that is so big, so big as not having any cuts is going to drastically impact the storytelling, but also it's going to rely on that storytelling to get smoothed out. There's a reason why every other film looks different. There's a reason why every other film uses cuts and fades and all that stuff is because it's easier and people already understand it. It's easier to tell that story. So you're going to have to kind of go, basically they kind of go hand in hand. The the themes have to benefit from the single shot and the single shot has to live in this story that's being created and could fail if the story doesn't, uh, Mm -hmm. doesn't merit it. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I, like, because they said the mistakes are golden and they make the film what it is. Right. But it also, uh, some of the mistakes, I think, in, in, increased the drama in the film because they said after they robbed the bank and they were driving away, the Victoria accidentally turned down a wrong road. Mm-hmm. And they were she was about ready to pull into right where everyone in the crew was setting up for the next location. And so the cinematographer like quickly turned his camera into one of the characters. And that's when yeah. they're trying to frantically back up and so they can like get out of where they shouldn't right. even be so they can continue yeah, yeah. this card scene. Interesting. So it's just uh it's like not every movie should be one take. No. No, certainly no. Cause then it would just it wouldn't be a thing that we would talk about anymore and honestly movies would be even more bloated and uh, slow moving than they are sometimes now, even when people are taking a traditional approach to the filmmaking process. So uh, I said that I wasn't able to find Russian Ark digitally. It is currently available on Netflix. Oh, yeah. It's got one and a half stars. Oh, geez. uh, One hour, 39 minutes long. So if anybody wants to check out another movie that was done in a single take, 
a true single take, uh, go check out Russian Ark. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Victoria? I I didn't hate it. Yeah. But it also wasn't the greatest film I've ever seen. Yeah. I thought it was a an interesting story that went into a place and resolved itself in the time that it was allowed and that it was technically interesting. Um, is this something I want to see again? Maybe only because I have questions about what does, you know, Victoria's intent, mm-hmm. you know, that's the only, that's the main reason I'd want to see it again. But I sitting here going 41 minutes of nothing. I don't think I can deal with that again. Yeah. So this is one of those worth checking out, but rent it or get it free. Don't pay for it. Mm kind of thing what about you rodrigo final thoughts um i it's 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 interesting it's one of these movies that i enjoyed in retrospect while i was watching it it was kind of a harrowing experience but now that i'm on the other side of it i think yeah that was pretty good um i would say definitely watch it knowing that not much happens before that and you know again Apparently, because uh, there isn't that much, this medium is young. The single take film is mm-hmm. still pretty young. So there's still a lot of room for improvement, for change. Honestly, there is already single take long form entertainment and entertainment, and that's theater. So I don't see why they couldn't just do this as a play in a single location. Obviously, not this story, right, but right, right. another story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the single take movie has a lot of places to go and it could become a thing. Like you see a new found footage movie coming up every once in a while. You could see a long take movie come up, you know, once this once a summer or once a winter. Could you imagine like 12 Angry Men as one a one take? 12 Angry no. Men would be very interesting yeah. as a one take, depending on how they staged it. I mean, it could be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anything. Noises Off would be fantastic as a single take movie. Well, mm-hmm. I guess they do have a kind of a time skip in the middle but you know the the problem with two act plays is that it can't <laughs> actually be a single take right because time passes in the middle but you could write something specifically to do it that way something that you know takes place at a wedding or something and all the family's already there and you're just like kind mm-hmm. of following people around as they're making mm-hmm. preparations absolutely you know there's like there are great farces like actual theatrical farces that are all done, super fast entrances and exits, very dynamic, and they all happen while you're just staring straight ahead mm-hmm. at everybody walking in and out and mistaking each other for, you know, whoever. Brothers from Verona. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. So I really enjoy Victoria like Rodrigo in retrospect. I think I still really enjoyed it on my second viewing. Yeah. But I think Victoria is uh, a really big film nerd type of movie or in movie especially the discussion that's happening or have it online is very borderline somewhat pretentious and people arguing is it a one take film like well it's a one shot film it's not a one take film that was an argument an entire (laughs) article i read i'm like get out of it get off the internet just leave you you make us all worse people Uh, that was an entire article um And so, okay, in, in, yes. in reading that's, the stories, that's, why, that's yeah. why I don't ever go to the internet. <laughs> yeah, and reading the stories about how it was made, like I wish there was a. They should have shot a documentary. It would documentary, have been interesting, like a behind the scenes camera that's all one take 
of the making of well, that, yeah, that's what they could have done is they could have slapped a GoPro so hard. They could have strapped a GoPro uh, helmet cam on the on the on the camera operator like behind him. Yeah, just yeah. behind him, like a foot, so that you're just kind of seeing everything from just have like a ten feet up behind him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, from like it's just like a foot and a half up and back from the whole film that you're watching. Yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, is, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, there's like, there's uh, on IMDb and uh, around the internet, there's some interesting stuff where there's like, you know, there are times when you can like uh, Victoria and Sonic get into the car on the same side and they close the door, but you hear a second door closing mm-hmm. uh, as, you know, the camera guy getting into the passenger seat mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know, and stuff like that. So well, they, it's like, it's already complicated enough. You can't have a third camera guy <laughs> following the first camera guy. <laughs> well, they said uh, one of their friends, he has like that drug freak out yeah. in the middle of the street because they were... They weren't blocking off all these streets, so some of the people in the there in the background of the film were just people on oh, the yeah, streets yeah. in Berlin walking through. Yeah. And sometimes they would like make sure, like, "Hey, we're filming." They just walk through it normally. But the guys having a drug freak out as an mm-hmm. actor on the thing, and these two people started rushing up to try to freak to help him out. And the director like runs over and stops them and like com- like consoles them, like, "No, he's fine. We're shooting a film." So he's like directing the film and like making sure people are out of the way. And so it's just really like that part of it the technical aspect of pulling it off and yeah, shooting yeah. it and uh well the, the, yeah the color I mean, grading of it as well you kind of get into that it's really interesting it's uh it's uh you know uh, six thirty, six o'clock in the morning and suddenly the police roll up and there's these loudspeakers going off in your neighborhood stay yeah. indoors yeah. i mean if you don't if you hadn't gotten the notice mm-hmm. that they were filming and doing this you could be pretty freaked out about that mm-hmm. so yeah i mean technically very nice very nice film uh so i think it's worth checking out yeah definitely uh even if you aren't super film technical nerd for just the experience of what that's like because i think rodrigo might be right where this could be something that really starts going now that we have these cameras that can record for super long periods of time and uh doing like duck soup or just like weird stuff like those weird like 20s and 30s comedies uh that are essentially like plays anyways Mm -hmm. back through now would be really interesting Mm -hmm. um so I enjoyed it. I hope you guys do too when you watch it. Uh, so that's it for this week. Next week, I don't know what film we'll be doing. There's a whole lot of stuff digitally, and I'm sure we'll comb through it and find the perfect film to discuss next week. But in the meantime, head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can find articles uh, discussing comic books and movies and news uh, and all sorts to keep you entertained and podcast until next episode of Zach on Film. While you're there, click on the Amazon.com link where you can buy... Uh, Victoria now on DVD and Blu-ray through uh, Amazon. It's not going to cost you any extra to do that, but a little bit will come back to Major Spoilers when you make that purchase using that link, and that'll help keep the site rolling and podcasts coming out to you like every day of the week uh, on your preferred podcast platform. Um, that's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film. See you next week. podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Oh, oh. 
you need parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.